grab your Bibles or open it on your phone, wherever, whatever you choose to use. If you don't have a Bible, there's, there's one in the sleeve, one of the sleeves in the chairs in front of you. We are going through the book of John, and we're at John 3, 16 through 21. I'm going to test your memory because it's been a little while, but Jesus was talking to a man who was one of the Pharisees. Remember his name in John, John 3? Nicodemus? Yeah. So uh, a couple of us were talking about this. Even Brandy and I were talking about this. We come across this really famous, really popular scripture, this John 3.16. Yeah, and uh, we forget that this was shared. We often forget that this was shared in the midst of a conversation with Nicodemus. And so going through this, this is one of the benefits that we have of going through a book of the Bible is we get to see the context. But there's a lot that we were talking about and where we're going to pick up here. Uh, Jesus was just explaining. He was talking about how the Son of Man would have to be lifted up and that, that we would all have to look upon him to be saved. And the metaphor was what happened in the Old Testament with Moses and the Israelites as they were wandering in the wilderness, right? And, and deadly serpents came and stung them. And so they took a break and made a bronze statue. And if they stared at it, even if they were stung, they would not die. And so Jesus likened himself to that rescue. And then here we go. We pick up with John 3.16. Let me just, just pray. Lord, guide us through this. Guide my words. Lord, teach us, I pray. Amen. Uh, so 16. For God so loved the world. Now, now the world, let's the world can mean the planet. The, the actual word here, the cosmos, we, we went into this in detail. But here, what it's talking about is, is a certain amount of order on the planet, the people. It's, it's all the people of the world. And this is, this is a big deal because at this point in time, this God of Israel is basically on, only available to the Israelites. And here Jesus is taking that to a whole different place saying, no, Jesus came for all the inhabitants of the world, all, all the kingdoms, all the systems at play, that God so loved all of them, not just the Jews, right? Thank you, God, because I'd be out of luck. I'm not a Jew, right? Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. The word perish here has to do with being fully destroyed. I want to put that there because I thought that was really good. These, these eternal life words, these parish words, we can, they become part of the religious vernacular that we talk about. But the whole point is that God sent Jesus so that you and I would not be destroyed, that we would not perish, that we would not be separated from him forever if we accepted Jesus. But instead that we'd have eternal life, being a life that, of no beginning and no end, that we would live now and forever. And no wonder this is so popular. That's, this is great news. This is great news. Now, the first challenge to me is we're, we're going through this. Let, let me just admit to you, I, I've known this stuff my whole life in an intellectual way, but but to allow it to penetrate your heart and change you and transform you is really a lifelong journey. And that's really my job is to remind you of something that's really familiar. But I pray that the Holy Spirit would grab it. In spirit, I pray that you would give it new legs and new roots 
and that it would start changing people because please understand something about God's love. God loved in a way and he modeled it, modeled it for all his sons and daughters and, and those of us who believe become his sons and daughters. And as I try to love you and love the people around me, my goal is to love like God loves. That, does that sound like a fair goal? If I'm created in his image, the way I work best is to act like he does. And when I fail to do so, things go poorly, right? It's like using a VCR to crush walnuts, not what it was made for. And the kids, VCR, yeah, the, you know, the, yeah. DVD player, Blu-ray, same thing, right? But those are sturdier, they're smaller, so that's why I use the big bulky. <laughs> Oops. It probably crushed the walnut, but it, it was not what it atten- intended to do. And it's how you and I live, not as we were created to do. So please understand this. What we can learn, what we can glean from God's love about this is God's love, according to John three sixteen, was not a mere sentiment. It wasn't a feeling. It wasn't like, I promise I love you, okay? You feel love for me. But instead, it led to a specific action. See, he loved Randy and me and Sandy and all of you. And even the people who are far off, if you're here, maybe you believe. Maybe you don't believe. Maybe you're a little bit unsure. And I'm really glad that you're here, no matter which one of those places. But I'm telling you, I don't care what you think about God. He loves you and he loves me. And that's a great, great start. But his love... It just wasn't a feeling. It led to an action. He gave up something. Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? I mean, wow. I'm challenged with this, man. How do I love my kids and my wife, Rick? How do you, do I love them for what I'm giving them or do I love them for what they're giving me? And if I want to love like God, man, just, I got this far in and I'm like undone. Like, Lord, I am blowing it. That God loved me. That even, even when I wasn't going his way, even when I'm going my own way. And, and Pastor Randy and Josh, they, they, they were sharing with you their messages. I listened to them. And, and one thing that was real common that, that continues here is, please understand, it's like you said, Randy, at the beginning... When God created man and woman, we got off track where we started to say, I want things my way. I want to live in the way that I think is best. And even when we're still stuck in that, like I'm living what, with what I want as I think best, God's like, I still love you. As a matter of fact, I love you so much that I will die for you. That I will send my son to die for you. That's huge. And you and I, we treat each other, the people we love, like conditional each day. Like, yeah, I love them in feeling, but in action, I don't want to give up anything, let alone my entire life. Little confession. Okay. When, when, you, when your life, direction of your life is like mine, a lot of what you do, um, you feel like you're giving out a lot. And I think the danger is 
then you can be like, uh, what's the right, what's the word I'm looking for? Like almost, uh, you can almost kind of lunge for your needs to be met because you feel like you're giving out, right? Like I notice if I go away from the duties, it's almost like the last thing I want to do is like read the Bible because I'm doing that all the time, right? So you feel like giving out all the time. And then when you feel tired, then you lunge. You like too much TV or, or food or, or sex, right? Those are all those things that you tend to lunge towards. And what, what God is saying is true love is that giving, right? And the love that I get in return is not necessarily what you can give me or my wife can give me or my kids can give me, but what God has already given me. And it's really hard to grasp that. It's really hard to know what that feels like, but that's the journey. And you don't have to be, you don't have to change your name, first name to pastor to feel the same way. Workers and husbands and wives and moms and dads and grandparents and friends. It's, it is a life that we're made to be together. It's why we're gathering here. You don't need to come here to learn about God. You come here for the people to your left and your right. That, that we, we help each other. We spur each other on. We challenge one another. We learn from one another. Okay, that was like a whole, that was a whole sermon itself, Randy. I could just stop now and sit down. But, but the question that you've got to ask yourself is, do I love as God loves? And do I want to love as God loves? And that's where we start. God so loved the world. So what, is, what in turn is his reaction? Because if God loves you so much that it depends nothing on you and you're going to be okay if you accept it, he's going to take care of you forever, then what's left for you to do? Give that same love to the people around you. And when they say, why in the world would you do that? Then you say, well, let me tell you about the love God has for me. I can be generous and forgiving and loving, and I can be more lighthearted because it's really not about me figuring this life out. So if so, if I, if I want to love like God loves, then my love must not be a mere sentiment, but lead to specific action. What you should do, maybe this is what you, why you're here. Okay? Maybe what you should do is when you go out from here, maybe you should challenge yourself to just um, like love all that you can to the people around you. Like Not about what you're going to get, but about how you can love them. Like Outdo your brother and sister in love. And why? Because you're safe to. Because life with God is this. If you have him, if you don't, this is why you got to get in. You've got to accept it because once you have it, what the authors of the Bible tell us is like, what do you have to fear then? If you're going to live forever, what's the worst thing that happens? They'll hurt your body or they'll kill you and send you to be with Jesus. And I don't care how much ginkgo biloba you take and, you know, how much vitamin C or vitamin D, your body is not going to be saved. It's deteriorating. I, I'm watching it happen in the mirror, okay? It's, it's happening, and you can't stop it, but it doesn't matter because even though on the outside, as Paul says, you're wasting away, inside you're being renewed day by day with the Holy Spirit with this kind of truth. So this is like, okay, guys, I'm like talking to myself here. I need to sit and say, Will, you need to like outdo your wife, your kids, these people 
Lord, move in my heart to love them in such a way that it's not about what they can do for me. If it's like, oh, Will, you did this for me. Yes, I did, because God did that for me. I should learn my lesson and not keep going, but we got to keep going, okay? So John 3, verse 17, that was all one verse. That's why this John book's going to take us like 17 years. So we're going to be preaching it at most of your funerals, okay? Sorry. And maybe mine. Uh, Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn. And this is a challenging thing because that word condemn means, well, you know, he's not here to like use judgment or tell me I'm doing wrong. I can do whatever I want. That's not at all what this says. This word condemn is like Jesus didn't come this couple thousand years ago to condemn, which is to pass a final judgment. These are kind of my words. Pass final judgment on and separate for its destruction. That's not why he came. Now, when he comes back, right? Right? He's going to come back, rule for a thousand years. Satan's going to get out of the, out of the pit, mess things up. He's going to have to knock some heads and straighten things out, okay? But, but that's not why he was there then, and it's not why he's with us now. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. And this isn't, say, a prayer that gets you to heaven. This is rescued, healed, made whole. And that's why being saved, right, from eternal damnation is an instant, but being rescued is a lifelong process. Right? Like, so imagine like you have a kid and they first learned to walk, right? Once they took the first step, that wasn't it. There were still plenty of fireplaces and sharp corners for them to hit their head on, right? And they had to learn, no, you can't jump off the couch head first, right? So this is what Jesus is doing, Will. You can't do that. Let me continue to bring you this rescue, to bring you this salvation, to help you along the way, because if I don't, you're going to destroy yourself, okay? So he came not to condemn, but in order that I could be saved and you could be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. We can really get off track, but we we talked months ago now about believing in Jesus and believing on. And one of the conclusions was, at first, the only thing we can really do is to believe in Jesus, believe in his name, believe in him for salvation, believe in him as the Son of God. But as you walk with him, you learn he's gained your trust. You learn to believe on him. In such a way, it's like, I'm laying on him so hard that if he doesn't hold me up, I'm going I'm to crash. And both of them are more than an intellectual acknowledgement. There is a trust and a faith involved. What he's saying is, God saves you when you don't have enough to quite believe on him. But what you've done is you've put your trust in him. And this is what we're doing here. We're walking a journey together so that more of you can say, man, for the first time ever or in a way like never before, I'm believing on Jesus for my life. Before I go any any further, thank you. Um, John, in John chapter 18, we'll get there a couple years from now. 
probably, but uh, he's talking to Pilate, Jesus is. They've turned him over to Pilate, and right there he explains one of the reasons why he came to earth. And, and what he said in, in part of verse 37 is this, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Well, let me ask you this, because a lot of you, you guys are kind of quiet right now, and some of you are new, don't realize, I need your help to preach these sermons. I, I'm not good on my own, so I, I need your help here. So if, use your deductive reasoning here, use the mind that God's given you, if Jesus came to testify to the truth, why would that be necessary? What's that? We didn't know the truth. Believing lies. There's got to be some sort of rhetoric or some kind of dialogue out there that's not true. Right? In order for us to need to hear truth. And you can see it, right? You, and, and what it looks like for church people is like, oh, this world is really going to hell, right? Like, oh man, yeah. It always is. It always is. It's just, it's a new flavor, okay? And you can, you can argue it's getting worse. But how, mu- how much uh, feces is, is too much feces in an ice cream, okay? Any of it, right? Like, okay, you, you know, you don't pick it out and eat the rest of the ice cream. And that's what this world has been since the beginning, it looks sweet, but it's tangy. You don't want to eat it. Um, so Jesus came to testify to the truth because there's liars all around us. All these cosmoses, the world systems, they're lying to you. And it's so easy to believe it. I'm blown away how many of those lies I believe have made their way into my understanding. Right? Like, who said that having hair was better? I mean, what kind of lie, right? Like, <laughs> I wore a beanie this morning, can you tell? All you crazy-haired people, if you wore a beanie this morning, you'd look all crazy, right? So, yeah, so who's, who's got you? Who's got the upper hand on that one there, right? Just kidding. But in all seriousness, there's so many lies, right? Like, oh, man. Like, everything from the way that we handle money to, like, marriage. Like, we just believe that, okay, half of marriages are going to end in divorce. Well, Why? Because we think that. We enter it like it's going to happen. And the other half of the people, it's a, marriage is a life sentence, which is also not the way to think about it. Both of them are lies. We're like, oh, man, she's attractive. He's attractive. I bet you'd like to have sex with them. No, you wouldn't. You're only supposed to have one person, that perfect person for you, because sex costs something like everything else. And he might look good, but you'd have to put up with him afterwards, okay? And you don't want to do that, right? Like, oh, you know what I should get, Corey, is lots of money, because that's always worked out good for everyone. Oh, you know what you guys should do is be actors and actresses. That's their lives are fantastic. Their families are great. Yeah, their health is good. They live to ripe old ages. Yeah, but we continue to do that, right? Lie after lie after lie. Like, oh, you know what you should do instead of sleep? Take something to wake you up and something to put you to sleep. Lie, 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 lie. Even in the church. So Jesus had to come talk about that. So now we can go with verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. 
But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So you see this? There's something that's happened already. The condemnation, and this is logic. Jesus didn't have to come to condemn us because, why? We already were. Anyone ever skydive? (laughs) Once you jump, can you take it back? (laughs) Roller coasters may be similar, but I think maybe there's probably a way to stop that. But you're like, now you're hanging on for dear life because the track is set and you're going to do the loop-de-loo, man, and you're going to end in the end. And that's what this is. The track is set for all mankind. If Jesus didn't step in, we were going to condemnation, eternal separation from God. Not only physical death, but we were spiritually dead until Jesus came in. He stopped the train. He stopped the roller coaster. He stopped the skydive before we, right? Like, so then according to what, what's happening here, and here's a truth that we need to be reminded of. It's not sexy. It's not fun. Okay. It's not something you're going to want your people to go on YouTube and listen to. But the truth is this. There's only two ways. There's two options to go. Life with Christ or death without Christ. And what's sneaky about it, sometimes the pathway of death, right? It's like the skydiving. Before you hit the ground, there's lots of pretty views. You think it's good. It's not good. Where you're going is not going to be good. And what's confusing is we have a world full of people falling to their death who are saying, I go to church, I'm good. Like, yeah, but you're not really living because you're not in Christ. You're you're not even depending on him. You're not even doing what he asks you to do. Because also the Bible tells us that every person is guilty of sin. And the punishment for that is to be separated from God. So that's where I am and you are. So anyone who, without Jesus, we're condemned already. So it makes sense that Jesus didn't have to come to do that. That that was okay. What he had to do is come tell us what was true instead of all the lies we were believing. See, we've already been declared guilty, and it's because we are guilty. And... Instead of hiding, like, you guys need more dudes who stand up front with microphones who they've changed their name to pastor to be honest with you to say, man, I am far from figuring this thing out. Guys, I could be, like, moody and complaining and grumpy. Right, Josh? I was just grumpy to Josh this morning. I can think the wrong things. My poor wife, needy and selfish and, like, oh, come on. And I'm the speaker. I'm supposed to have this thing all figured out. So what does that leave for all the rest of you guys? I'm guilty. You're guilty. We, we can't lie about it. But God's love and patience, this is good news, it's caused him to delay that final judgment. And I love that for me. And I don't like that for other people, right? Like, I want justice for you, but mercy for me. This is the way us people work. 
Oh, right? It's like the person who's driving crazy. A cop should pull them over. Well, what happens when you're the crazy driver? You're glad there's no cop around, right? right? Yeah, it's a good thing people don't carry bazookas in cars because I would be not only the one that shot one, but also the one who got shot. I know that, okay? So 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, he's not slow. Come back now. I can't yet, Will. Why not? There's more work to be done. I'm I'm patient. I'm not slow to act. But I'm wanting, I'm praying, I'm hoping. My hope is that all people would change their direction of their life and come towards me. And I'm glad he's done that because I still got some changing to do. So now, because of that patience, you and I have an opportunity to let Christ pay our penalty for us. I mean, it's got to be paid. I mean, wrath is still coming. You see that? It's still coming. And, and sin, even though there's forgiveness, there's still consequence. I mean, you see that, that reflection in life, right? If, if you do something to your physicality, your body, there's, there's consequence to that, even even if there's forgiveness or a change of mind. So our rescue is really dependent more than anything off accepting and trusting that God's solution for our guilt is Jesus. Do you see that? That's the hard part. Do you see that's the missing piece? You and I really don't believe what we say we believe. And because of that, here's how it works. I make a mistake. You make a mistake. What do you feel like when you're done with making a mistake? Not rhetorical, help me out. What is it? You feel condemned and shamed? What other words? What is it? Crummy? Those are all good words, yeah. Any other words? Guilty. Like, ugh. Right? And then if it's something you've done before, you kind of can do that like, ugh. And then those little never and always statements, I'm never going to stop doing that, or I'm always going to do that. And then as you get older, you'll use the thing, well, I don't know, I'm probably too old to change now. Heard that one? Um, So then what happens is the next time that temptation to make the same mistake happens or comes about, what do you do? You're more likely to give in to it. So the acceptance, is weird, and that, that has become sort of a religious term. Like, I receive that, I accept that, I get that. But the heart behind it is true. It's like, if I can really receive that Jesus wants to forgive me, that he's good to forgive me and right to forgive me, maybe I'll take his forgiveness. Verse 19, John 3, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. What does the light do? Exposes. It illuminates. And who was the light? Jesus. Okay, cool. You guys are still awake. This is good. And the people love the darkness. What's in the darkness? Sin, hiding, right? And the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. What's that mean?
Well, here's kind of what it is. Here's how it works. If I do what I know is wrong, I don't want you to know that I've done what is wrong. I, I hide it, right? I hide it. Or in other words, I keep it in the dark. But if I do the right thing, I want it to be seen. Right? This is kind of what is. Here's the tendency. I want it to be seen. I, I want to bring it to light. I want, to, I want you to see I've done the right thing. Here's an example. Drove through a restaurant, Randy, get some food, and they had a tip jar, and the guy was very friendly. And then he went back in, closed the window to go get the food, and I went to go put a tip. I actually paused for a second, Emily, and I thought, well, I want him to know that I appreciated his service, so maybe I should wait till he comes back. And then I thought, what do you do? Check your heart, Will, and I put it in there before he came back. But it's just subtle like that, right? It's just subtle. Like, who cares if he knew I gave him a tip? Oh, and darkness is clear. You, I mean, the issues that probably exist in this room right now, none of you brought them here today. <laughs> Guys, did you have any guy come up to you and say, look at my internet search history, man? <laughs> yeah. Or any wives, you should see what I said to my husband this week or my kids or like... Oh, man, you should see how much I drank last night. I, no, people didn't come here airing the dark things, the things they're not proud of. Now, what should be the truth that Jesus came, first of all, as far as exalting yourself, he had some things to say about that. And one of his students, Peter, wrote about this. First Peter 5, 6, he said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. And this is just true. The more you walk with God... When you do the right thing, the truth always comes out. And then Jesus himself, when Luke 14 said, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus takes our thoughts, our ways, and really turns them on their heads so often. It's no wonder that if you begin to look at it differently, most of the world systems are exactly the opposite of what Jesus said. So it makes you scratch your head a little bit, like, wow, okay, that seems intentional. Wink, wink, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all anti-Christ, the opposite, right? It's, it's, uh, it's not a coincidence. And then the truth on how to handle our sin. Proverbs 28, 13, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes. And the word forsakes here has to do with loosens, leaves, separates from. And this is where we get a little confused because we think, okay, I confess it and then I'm sorry about it but I go right back to it. That's, that's not what this says. Do you see that? He who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. But you can see the you can see the danger, right? If, if it's in 
If it's in the dark, I have an issue I'm dealing with. And I'm confessing it alone with God. But then I go right back to it. It just becomes a vicious cycle. It, it, it kind of paralyzes you. So then John 1, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you heard that one before? Here's a challenge for me. What if you do something? And afterwards, you feel crummy, right? One of the words, you feel bad about that. You have a thought or an action or inaction or you lose your temper or you get whiny or pouty. And you've done it before. Has anyone ever felt like, oh man, here I go again. Has it ever been hard to even go to God about it for you? Have you ever been in that place where you're almost like, you, got, you don't even got the juice to pray about it. You're like, oh, I did that again. You, any of you guys been there? When I've been there, this, I like, to, I, I like to believe it was the Holy Spirit that led me back to this verse. And it's helpful because the truth here is if we confess our sins, and the idea of confession, do you know what that word means? What's that? Admit. It's to say the same thing. Yeah, it's an agreement thing. So when I confess it, what I'm basically saying is, you told me the truth that that was the wrong thing to do, God. I'm saying the same thing you're saying. You see that? When I confess... I basically come to God and say, turns out, yeah, what you said was right, and I'm in agreement with you. So if we do that about our sin, then he is faithful. What's faithful mean? Trusting, trustworthy, yeah. Faithful, he'll keep doing that again and again, right? And the next word is just. What's just mean? Rightly, yeah. So wait a second, wait a second. Listen to this. Okay, here's what's extremely helpful. So when I make the mistake, whether I've done it a few times or a few hundred times, okay, what this is saying is if I'll come back to that truth that God, you were right, and I'm not just picking on you guys, you guys are my friends, so I'm, you know, security blanket over here. Um, if I come back to this verse and say, wait a second, okay, what I need to do now is come back to my thinking to come out of all those lies and come back to what's true. And the truth is, it wasn't good for me to do that, right? When I've lost my temper with someone, I've felt really bad, right? When I've been really needy, I've felt really bad afterwards. When I've fallen into like lust or sexual sin, I felt really bad afterwards. Like that was not, that was not hard to feel like that. But then what do you do? I got to get back to that right way of thinking. So I'm admitting, God, I'm confessing, you're right. So I come back to that way of thinking, wait, you're right, Lord. Then what it says is he's faithful, which what did faithful mean? 
He'll do it again and again. He's faithful. You can count on him. So he'll do that. Even if he had to do this before, he'll do it again. And what else? And he's just, which means he's what? He's, yeah, he's just, he's right. This is the, wait a second. This is the right thing for Jesus to do? Like the right thing, the thing that God's asked him to do because he covered my sin. Because it wasn't free. He paid for my sin and yours. The right thing for him to do is to forgive me when I confess it. It's hard to, I don't even know if I'm articulating it right. But you almost feel like he's done something. It almost feels like, well, this is a sin that I've struggled with more than once. The people I talk to, I run into this a lot. I think you start to not believe anymore that God will forgive you. But what this is saying is like, listen, God is faithful. He's going to help you through this and he will forgive you again, but you got to come to him. And he's right to do it. It's justified. It's just. Why? Because Jesus paid for it. It's not like it hasn't been paid for. He forgives you the hundredth time the same way that he forgives you the first time. Yeah. But when you don't believe that, you'll do the same thing the next day because you feel about one quarter's forgiven or something. One one hundredth forgiven. Because people, you're like, how dare, you're going to do that again, Randy. I can't forgive you. Yeah, they probably will. They probably will. That's why they deserve to be destroyed. But thank God they're not going to get what they deserve. And thank God I'm not going to get what I deserve. You see that on church signs? Please give us all justice. Don't give us justice, God. Please don't give me justice, man. I am. There's not enough lightning in the sky to, to give me the justice that I deserve, right? I want mercy. James 5, 16. This is the way we can do it. And warning sign, okay? We can get really religious with this thing. And if, if we really do this, I'm sorry, guys. You can't just come into church and consume anymore. I know this is America, and you're supposed to be able to consume whatever you want at whatever including churches. But that, this is why it can't be that way. John, one of the reasons why. John 5.16 says, therefore, it's talking about the confession and the healing of those who are sick. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So get this, okay? In the way that we do it, I'm struggling, I hide it. There's a good reason. There's a good reason why they hide it because people don't know what to do with that. Since I came here, I had people being like, you can't be that honest. You, you got to speak as one with authority. And years ago when I got up here and I said, man, my wife and I are really burnt out. And they gave me three months off. You know what? Some of the people who said they had my back the most left. They bailed. They didn't have. They didn't have space for this, right? Right. Those who are here, you know it. I love them. I'm, you know, but I know that this is like next level stuff right here, 
because the world is like, hide it. But Jesus is like, listen, tell the people that you're close to that you love, like, oh man, like Corey, my attitude is bad, man. It's just, I'm grumpy. I'm negative all the time. I do that to Josh this morning for me. Like, man, I feel this. He talked me through it, pointed me back to truth. We probably should have prayed. We didn't. Yeah, but, but you see this, guys. This is what's going to happen, but it's going to take all of you. You don't go to a priest or a pastor. I don't need to know all your dirty laundry. But you guys should have enough life together that you're there for each other. And like, man, we get together. Like, I know what it is for you. That's the struggle. And you know what it is for me. That's the struggle. You know where God's working in our life. You know where we're both like, thank you, God, that you're still patient with me. Right? So we confess why? Because once it's in the light, it loses its luster. Like, that's the one thing I like. I think sometimes pastoring the way that I feel God asked me to pastor, when I make a mistake, or if someone's like, oh, you know, Will said like crap in a sermon, and be like, you would say, I've heard him say worse. Right? Like, <laughs> Right? It's like, like, oh, well, Will did this. You're going to be like, yeah, we kind of figured that he could probably do that. Right? He's just a guy. Like, and and not, to, not to excuse the sin, because there's no, I deserve judgment, but because of God's mercy, because of Jesus' payment, I don't get what I deserve. And it takes it to a next level, because it's not just me doing that to you. It's not just you doing that to a counselor's office, but you doing that all the places that you go. And if we want to be the church, if we want to be God's people, you can't just come and consume, okay? You have to come be part of it, and here's part of what you're called to be. See, pride keeps us from confessing our sin. We don't like to admit that we're wrong. We, sometimes pride will make us justify, like, yeah, well, you know, I might, I might have to use this substance to cope, but my life is really bad. Or, or yeah, I, you know, I, I struggle with lust, but that's because my marriage isn't good. Right? Like, oh, yeah, you know, well, I don't trust anyone, but that's because bad things happen to me, right? There's always an excuse. We want to justify, explain, blame shift. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Um, instead of confessing and being forgiven, the just thing is that you should bring it to God and He would forgive you. And then He would help you. You would ask Him in the power of the Holy Spirit and also the Holy Spirit and those around you that they would help you walk out of that old way that's not working. For God resists a prideful person. Another factor that hinders the confession is ignorance. So that's why we have to have these sermons. That's not something new, but it reminds you of what's old that you've known. See, light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. John 3, 19. The word evil here is translated from a Greek word, poneros, and this term not only implies evil, but it also, it also talks about the effort of full labor, the annoyances, the hardships. So what I'm telling you is a life of sin is not only immoral, but it's hard. It's hard. And how many of us are choosing harder lives than we need? I am. You, Josh, we make it hard, man. Because Jesus says things like, all who, you know, if you're a burden, come to me. Like, hey, I want to lead you to life. 
and life abundantly. But we have a somber face and we're, we're down about what we don't have, what we deserve, what we got robbed from, or the struggle instead of the joy. <clears throat> I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. And we're gonna, they're going to play a little music and you have an opportunity, if you'd like to do so, to take communion. Uh, it's sort of the end invitation time of this sermon. But a couple thoughts that I would, I'd like to, to give you. It's something I'm pondering on. Uh, communion in itself, there's a metaphor here. We have bread and we have juice. And what does the bread symbolize? Body. The body. Okay. What about the juice? Blood. Blood. Okay. Why is, why is the body important, the, the bread? It's his body. What's that? He came in a real body, right? And see, all this I'm telling you about sin, and, and, and I don't mean to make light of it, but I think we make light of the fact that Jesus died, that his body was broken to pay for our sin. So every time we get together, whenever we want to do this, then when we look at that bread, we're going to be like, man, whatever it is that you're not wanting to give over, you have to ask yourself this. Like if Jesus is offering me life, I think the problem is not him, it's me. I'm not taking it. And so in this act, whenever I take that bread, I'm saying, you know what, Jesus? I'll, I'll accept that your body is paying the death that I deserve. Right? And then the juice, which is the blood. What did the blood do? It cleanses us from all unrighteousness, right? That's, that's every time. The metaphor in the scripture is that blood, the shedding of blood, cleanses us. The body and the blood have paid for our sins so you and I can live. Can live. And this is a great time before you do this to come to that place of confession. So I'm going to just start with a little prayer, and you guys can come up whenever you want. They'll play instrumentally for a little while. Um, And I think that what I want to invite you to do is a couple things. So first of all, i just like to allow some space for the Lord to speak. Because what if, what if just the, you know, 100 or so people that are here today, what if we started to be more of a people who confessed? Just think of that simple shift of all the simple things that a person can do. What if we were a people who weren't hiding? I mean, you people who stayed, you had to face the fact that you had a human pastor, right? That's a good start. And the rest of you who just came in, you're invited to be part of a people that are like that. But what if in all those places that we go with our brothers and sisters, what if we were a people who would confess? Imagine what that does to all the kingdom of darkness. Imagine. No hiding. No pretending. Wow. Just, just that. So just come to God and, and just confess. And, and 
what we'll do is before you take those elements, I would challenge you to come to God and just confess. And you know, maybe he even want, maybe there's someone that brought you or someone that you know and, and you need to confess something to them about your life or maybe a feeling you have for them. There's a talk about that in the scripture. If you have a problem with your brother, man, like drop what you're doing, go to them. Or your sister, like just ask for their forgiveness and then come back and take communion and say, yes, Lord, I want to remember that you have cleansed and you've paid for me. Does that make sense? So let's ask God before we take it, what work he's doing, have a little space and time to do that. And then we can ask for help. Like it said in James, like could go to a brother or sister and be like, man, my attitude or, or pray for me about this because the prayer of a righteous man or a woman are powerful. Cool? Good? Okay, let's, let's pray. Uh, Father, there's always so much information when it comes to your word, Lord. We can mine this thing, and we have been for a thousand years. Um, and so right now, Lord, there's a problem, the sin. It separates us, it destroys it, so, destroys us, it destroys relationships. It causes us to run away from you as if we could. And so, Lord, I pray right now. I pray that you would take this time, Lord, that you would speak to, to everyone here, Lord. And, and if it's someone who doesn't believe, Lord, I, I pray that they would see this, that this is what a Christian does, a believer does, that we confess, we receive forgiveness, and then we walk a new way. So, Lord, as we, we, we come here and we, we take communion, first I ask, Lord, that you would speak. Holy Spirit, come and speak. From within the hearts of everyone there you reside, Lord, that you would show us where you're working in our life. Show us where we need to confess. That we wouldn't hide, we wouldn't lie, that we would just throw ourselves before your feet right now, Lord, and just say, I've done this. I was wrong. Forgive me. And that we would just release that. And we would hold on to you. And then, Jesus, I pray, maybe you want us to tell somebody. Maybe you want us to tell a brother or sister. Maybe you want us to pray for someone. Maybe you want us to to just go and ask for forgiveness. Just cleanse us, Lord. All the sin and the darkness, it just builds up on us. But we just want to bring it to light. Shine your light here today, Lord, so that we're not in the dark and that it comes out and it's forgiven and we live. So, Lord, I'm not going to say amen, but I just pray that you would do this, Jesus. I pray on your name, 